When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So on the week where a premium missing out defined the outcomes for many, WGTA has fallen to a shock no-show as well, as Nick has sadly been eaten by the work monster. So he's failed the late fitness test, unfortunately, but luckily we've got our own double-digit vice-captaincy, Lundstrom off the bench, roll into one in the replacement. As a hero that is, Will Thomas, the founder of Fans Football Hub, has stepped in at short notice to know that give us the equivalent of a huge haul in the podcast guest arena. Uh, welcome, Will. I'm sure the majority of people listening will know you already. Just in case, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? to good people hi tom yeah great to be on um yeah i founded fantasy football hub and been playing fpl for over 10 years and very fortunate i've netted uh seven top 10k finishes but as uh as you said in the intro that i did not do well this week and um did not get lunch off the bench and did not have my vice captain on the brain which uh, i'm sure will come oh, to a bit later. No. So it, this season is turning out to be a bit of a shocker so far but uh there's still a long way to go but looking forward to being on the pod as always yeah, cheers. And thanks again for being an absolute hero and stepping into the void at the last minute. Uh, so thank you. Uh, great. And uh, just say, of course, in Nick's absence, that we are Who Got the Assist at WGTA underscore FBL. And if you want to tell Nick how much better the pod is when he's on to balance out my madness, it's at WGTA underscore Nick. You can find us on Spotify, SoundClouds, iTunes, whatever, wherever. And Will is at FFHub underscore Will. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Fans Football Hub can be found at that is uh, F Football Hub. F Football uh, Hub. Yeah, at F Football Hub on Twitter. Cool, great. And uh, on today's pod, the main topic is the premium health check, as uh, Will and I don our white coats and get each of the expensive men to cough for the doctor to ask which two, or maybe even three, uh, should be in our sites going forward. This should also give you some insight into my wildcard, which is currently very much active. Also, of course, we do the features, a little bit shorter this week, no nicks and no dad watch, and uh, we'll also have some questions from the community too. So we'll start off with the the game week reviews and um, I'll kick things off with, with my team. It was, um, yeah, not a great week. 56 points all out. As I said in the intro, didn't start Lundstrom and um, had him second on my bench and uh, unfortunately Dunk came in. Well, Dunk did get a clean sheet, so I shouldn't be too uh, despondent. But uh, I, was, I was kind of hopeful that Mount might miss out. But in the end, he played and Lumpton stayed firmly on my bench, which is a bit frustrating as oh. last week I played him in front of Pookie and um, obviously Pookie got the, the, the big haul and Pookie was on my bench last week. So I got those completely around the wrong way. But uh, elsewhere, Trent Alexander-Arnold coming in with uh, seven points with a, and the goal, which is quite nice. Pope getting the clean sheet at the back. De Bruyne obviously doing the business, but um, yeah, bittersweet that, bittersweet that one as I didn't vice-captain him. And that was pretty much all the points I got. How, how did yours go, Tom? 
Um, yeah, it was okay. It didn't rot the house, but it was still a, a modest green. I got 59 points in the end. Um, unfortunately, my vice captaincy was on Salah. Um, so I got, I got the early kind of uh, joy from that assist from that TAA rocket. Uh, but after that, he just, he just didn't seem to have the touch about him in the game. It's really annoying. And I was just waiting on Sunday night for all those vice captains for De Bruyne to, to, to really kick in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I had De Bruyne, um, had Robertson and TAA for probably the last week. I am on wildcard now and I've removed Robertson. Uh, so 15 points from them was very very helpful indeed and uh, Nick Pope at the bat with a clean sheet uh, but yeah 59 points it's alright I'm up to what 1.4 million but I'm hoping the wild card will really sort that out and uh, just to say as well that Nick did do a little bit better than me as always he seems to keep getting this kind of incremental there's incremental kind of one or two points that man does a lot of research doesn't he um, but yeah 36 points he did get uh, Kevin De Bruyne's advice didn't own Lundstram but he had his own budget hero coming in for him as a Diego Rico uh, got an assist for him on the on Friday night um, which was uh, met with uh, a lot of delight on our Slack channel um, elsewhere Dean Henderson or um, Denders as he would say and TAA provided him some points but yeah he only actually fielded 10 men this week as well so 66 points and still managed to beat us both incredibly depressing but yeah Nick's up to uh, 400k now and he's actually topping our paid mini league as well which is uh, absolutely incredible given the amount of complaining he does offline (laughs) about his uh, FPL season so there you go Cool. All right. Uh, so let's get on to the, the main topic this week, which is about, about the premiums, I guess. And one of the, mo- the hottest topics in FPL, because they're the most expensive players, and they play a very important role, don't they, well, in our teams? Yeah, you know, there, there's, there seems to be actually a lot of good premiums this season. You know, I know previous seasons we've only had almost two or three to go for, but, you know, you look at this season, you've got uh, Sterling, Aguero, De Bruyne, Salah, Bamiang, potentially even Kane. There's a lot of players which uh, I think are brilliant picks, actually. And it's really tough to get all of them into your team. So we're having to make some really, really difficult choices. Which way are you leaning in terms of uh, your your wildcard picks in terms of the premium assets then? I mean, at the moment, and the point, I guess, of doing this health check for for a selfish reason uh, to look at the premiums is just because, like, at the moment, I think, think how it divides is that Mo Salah and Raheem Sterling, uh, Salah's owned by 41.9%, Sterling by 41% at the time of recording, are the two kind of favourites. They're the two high-owned players. And for somebody who's wildcarding from, not exactly a position of weakness, but from a position of somebody who wants to, wants to gain Kun Aguero and Sadio Mane look the two rank climbers. So Mane, 21.9% owned, and Kun Aguero, 29.1% owned. And at the moment, I'm looking at the two less-owned players and and those are the two who actually fill roles in in my wildcard team as well because Kun's the expensive striker, and uh, well they both fill fill roles in the team that make the rest of the team sort of work. But I guess it's quite it's, it's quite a difficult situation, isn't it? And I, I've, you did mention Kevin De Bruyne a minute ago. Like, would you count him, even though his price point was a little bit cheaper at the start of the season, as somebody in this premium bracket? Because you've also got Son Heung-min around kind of nine point five, haven't you? Yeah, no, I think I think they do class as, as premiums. Obviously, they're they're not top tier in terms of price, but you're looking at the Bruins output and it's uh, matching the premiums. And I think that you know, you, realistically, you can only get three premiums in in your team. And I think that if you if you count the Bruin yeah, as one of those premiums, then you know it's difficult to to get another one in after that as well. So, yeah, that that's generally how I look at premiums, and uh, especially if you if you think that. Uh, De Bruyne's a, a, a captaincy option um, then yeah I think that he definitely comes into the premium bracket Son as well you know he, he's potentially got 
you know, got that explosive route. And I do think he's a great option now. You know, he looks to be playing up, up top for Spurs and they've got a, a decent run of fixtures. As a Spurs fan, though, I, I'm still sceptical of them moving forward. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is tricky going for those premium assets at the moment. I still like uh, Salah and Sterling. I know quite a few people are getting rid of them, probably even maybe yourself, Tom. And uh, they, they both still got the numbers. But, um, you know, as I said before, you, you can't fit them all in. And Aguero is the one that I really want. And I don't really have a, an easy route to get to him. And... Um, so Aguero, he's um, been absolutely smashing out the the stats in terms of you look at his big chances this so far so far this season, and he's on twelve big chances. Next one is Abraham on seven, so he's, he's almost double there. Salah and Sterling also have seven, and there's a drop to Bamiyang on four big chances. Again, you look at his shots inside the box; he's got twenty two shots inside the box. Abraham sixteen, Salah and fourteen. So. Uh, he's got the shot volume, he's got the big chances, and uh, he's one that I'm absolutely terrified of not owning, to be honest. It's a difficult one for me because uh, I've got Sterling, and I, I also think that he's still a good pick, uh, but uh, it's difficult to fit both of them in your in your team, and De Bruyne and the likes of Salah. So I don't know what you're thinking about that one, Tom. Which way are you leaning on your wildcard? On my wildcard at the moment, I'm sat with Conaguero, but I mean, it's a really hot topic at the moment, what to do with Sterling after obviously the no-show against Watford. And I think a lot of people are aggrieved at missing out on their kind of share of that 8-0 pie, aren't they? There are quite a few questions actually on this as well this week, which is kind of part of this as well. So like FPL Triple Nutmeg and Ogre asked us what you can do about Sterling. Like um, he, He's showing up, um, he's top of actually the, the transfers out as we talk about later on in the market forces. And it seems like a lot of people are losing faith with him. And Aguero, as the kind of the goal scorer galore at Man City, the focal point of everything, seems to be one of those players who people are jumping on and thinking, well, actually, he's definitely worth it. Like, he's had a goal temp in the box every 20 minutes so far of the season, which is a full two minutes more regularly than the close second, who is Neil Morpay at Brighton, actually. And he's actually second for XG from open play. And I think that actually there's a, a huge influence here, who is Kevin De Bruyne. We've mentioned him a few times kind of around. It feels like depending on whether you stick with Sterling, who's actually still got the highest XG of open play of any player. It feels like whichever one of those you choose, Kevin De Bruyne looks like kind of the real essential sort of building block from Man City. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of Aguero's great numbers actually came from the last match. I think he was, you know, as a non-owner, I was pretty uh, glad that he he didn't rack up on Monster Hall against Watford because I think he could have done. He got, a, you know, a lot of those... Uh, those shots in of that match and, you know, he, he could have definitely come away with a bigger haul. But, you know, at the same time, I think that if, if Sterling had played that match, then he would have got, a, you know, a massive haul as well. And I don't think that you can say that Aguero is actually more nailed on than Sterling. Um, you know, I think that this was just Sterling's time to get rested. And, you know, I fully expect him to be to be back against Everton and I fully expect him to be a great pick moving forward. I, I really do think that Sterling, Aguero and De Bruyne are all brilliant picks uh, and along with Salah it's just you know which one of those that you, you want to own really or or you can fit into your team but um, I think if I if I was in your position and I was wildcarding then I would I would probably go with Aguero and De Bruyne as my two city assets I think mean, they just look they look the standout ones at the moment um, but that's you know uh, I, I'm probably going to be handing on to Sterling and I still think that he's a, a very good shout moving forward um, but if you move on then to you know the likes of Mane as well, because I, I know that you've been talking about him, and he's obviously a big, 
premium asset that um, you know a lot of people are, are turning towards. You know, even that that one million saved is quite crucial. So talk to me about him. Why are you opting for Mane over Salah in your wildcard draft at the moment? Uh, he's he's actually in there because he uh, enables me to have Otamendi at the back. I've got serious FOMO with Mo Salah. Like, in fact, like you, you mentioned it a second ago. Like, without even thinking that I've got that, you've got to have one of uh, Sterling or Conaguero alongside Salah. Like, you didn't even mention Mane as being part of that mixture. And I think that's definitely true of so many people. Like, you can't fathom. Imagine not owning Mo Salah. I guess it's probably the best way of putting that. That one million saving is, is quite big, though, and that's kind of what, where I'm kind of looking at. Like Mane has really unremarkable stats if you look at him, except one, which is conversion. So 33% so far of his shots this season have been goals from open play. And in fact, his, his open play XG is pretty poor. It's 1.3 and he scored four. But he's got a lot of form at doing this. So last year, for example, he had 25.3 goal conversion, fourth highest for attempts. So not, he didn't have that many attempts compared to a few others. Uh, but he massively overperformed again his XG. Like whether it's power by confidence or by form or however you want to put it, like something has really happened with him, I think, in the last couple of years. And he's really clicked into that kind of, as I said at the end of last season, like the upper pantheon of being a capstable asset. That said as well, I'm not quite convinced by, there's a few people who are going completely about Liverpool. I'm not too sure I can quite do that. Um, But if you do look at the fixtures coming up, like, okay, you've got Sheffield United away and Leicester at home. They're they're okay fixtures. And you've got Man United, Spurs, Villa and City. So up until game week 13, their fixtures aren't that great. I might not be captaining this guy. So kind of freeing up the extra one million from Salah to buy Mane feels like it could happen for me at the moment because it would mean I can afford a few better players elsewhere. So as I mentioned, Otamendi, it means I can probably afford Abraham. I've got Abraham at the moment, um, but I don't have Mount. And if I did want to get Salah in, I'd have to effectively take Abraham down to down to Mount and then put a 4.5 million striker in. I've seen for years now, they really are pick and stick, aren't they? The two of them. I really do think that Sadio Mane can push Salah all the way to the Golden Boot again this year. Uh, obviously, he went to system at all, um, but I just I, I don't know. Like, it is a really tough decision, and I'm, I'm already feeling the FOMO. Like last year against Bournemouth, for example, and this year away against Sheffield United, for like they're very very similar kinds of games that Salah could really smash in and smash me in. Um, so I'm a little bit worried, and that that one decision is, is probably the one that can go right down to the wire for me. Like Salah's such a great player, isn't he? he's just such a great FPL asset. I think they're both great assets, aren't they? And I do understand, the, especially the captaincy point, actually. You know, the next few weeks, you're, you're unlikely to be captaining a Liverpool player. And if you're not going to be captaining a Liverpool player, then why are you play, paying you know, $12.5 for Salah? I think there's a pretty convincing argument to go with Mane. But, you know, at the same time, I look at Salah's numbers and I compare them to Mane and maybe it's the, the inner statistician in me. But I, I just, you know, even it, it is... You know, last season, I think there was almost a stronger case because Mane was that much cheaper. But this season, um, just looking at the numbers, I think that Salah is probably, you know, the man to own for, for just an extra, well, it's an extra 0.9, actually. It's not even a million now. Uh, then, you know, I think that he's he's got a... I know that, you know, Mane's got this you know, convincing record of, you know, 33% goal conversion. He's shown it over a long time, but... Uh, you know, Salad also knows where the goal is. So, I, for me, I, if I was on a wild card, I think I would probably try and 
get Salah in still, but yeah, I can definitely see the the rationale for for going for Mane, or indeed, you know, just uh, going without Liverpool attack. You know, that that seems pretty scary. But then then there, if you're not going to captain Salah or Mane over the next few, then there is probably better options out there in terms of points potential. I think that Trent Alexander Arnold is someone which I definitely wouldn't get rid of. But um, yeah, I think that. There's, there's certainly strong arguments to go Mane over uh, over Salah, and I can certainly see why you're doing it. I think that for me, I'd probably uh, stick safe on that one, just because. Um, but it's probably also because I've been hurt multiple times by removing Salah myself. So yeah, didn't you yeah, um, didn't you join Team Mane on your wildcard for I a did, short period? Yeah, exactly that yeah, move. Game week three, um, yeah. Yeah, I was punished straight away, and I thought I because I because I do FPL or fancy football just full time. Oh, I just can't live with myself looking at Salah and knowing that I'm going to have to go out uh, and talk about how many points he's scored each week. Cause I, so I, I pretty much corrected the move straight away. I was like, I just, oh. I just can't handle it. It's just, just too much. So uh, yeah, I, I'm fully backing Salah now, and he, he's not going to go anywhere in my team for the rest of the season. It's a risk going money, but yeah, I think he, I can understand why you're doing it. Yeah, I can understand that. Like Salah, when you mentioned how great the numbers are. He's top with pen box touches again, 57, second for shots in the box. Um, still very, very exciting, of course. Whenever he gets the ball and he's, he's kind of tearing away on that right-hand channel, like you get very excited, don't you? But annoyingly against Chelsea, Tamori did have him in his pocket. Uh, but the record does speak for itself. The ownership does speak for itself. Though, interestingly, Todd Cantwell, my, uh, my cousin, has a higher XG from open play than Mo Salah does at the moment. But that probably that's the fallacy of stats more than anything else, really, isn't it? That's it a is. great start. That I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, with with the wild card, it, it adds an interesting dimension to it because you've got Mane and Kun sitting there with lower ownership, who would do more for my rank if they do anything right. So it almost turns into hoping that the two key owned players, that the EO, the high EO players, don't do very much of my guy's profit, which is quite a difficult place to be because it's a week can quickly turn to damage limitation if I do that and I do have EO FOMO a little bit not so much about Kun and uh, Sterling actually but a lot about Mo Salah because I, that is just one of those that I think I've, I've got the scars from and uh, it sounds like you've got the scars from this season um, so yeah I've got really bad EO FOMO to coin the phrase there probably a lot of people there are also shouting what about Firmino he's worth mentioning too yeah. uh, de- definitely it definitely is worth mentioning even though I'm not actually considering him because Pookie Tammy couldn't I, I find it hard to see past that front three frankly um, but I can completely understand the case of him as well does that Liverpool's best player at the moment it's just an FPL context oh if you can fill it all in you can make so you can kind of get Son in you can get in KDB Sterling and Mount all in the same midfield if you go with uh, Firmino and get rid of a Liverpool man but I, I'm not too sure I like that kind of the Rikering um, going with the second choice which uh, Firmino definitely would be, and you'd always be looking for a route back to at least Mane, if not Salah. So, I guess before we move on to uh, Aubameyang and uh, maybe talking about Kane a little bit, of, of the duopoly, effectively, if we're saying that Kevin De Bruyne probably is hygiene, and probably you should own him, which way are you leaning, Will? Are you, are you really happy with your, with your duo, or are you going to actually be looking to engineer a way to get um, Canaguero into your side? Um, I think that in my current situation, I've got a couple more fires to put out. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be sticking with Salah and Sterling. And you know, Sterling's still a, a brilliant pick, and you know, he's not going to be benched um, by Pep on too many occasions. I wouldn't have thought. 
but at the same time, I, I do really want Aguero. I just there isn't really an easy way to get him in without a hit, and I don't think that's quite worth it at the moment. So I'm probably going to wait um, another week and then just reassess next week. And uh, I, I'm yeah, as we'll come to team and transfers later, then I, I, I'm looking at other moves which I think are not more important, but. Uh, yeah, I, I still not con- completely convinced that Aguero is a hundred percent better option over Sterling, um, but and, and I'm I'm happy with Salah. He, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, cool. Well, I'll give more info on my wildcard later on. Um, but yeah, will will we'll I end up on Melancholy Hill with the Salah sale? Almost definitely. Uh, so will I eventually pull back and end up missing out on Tammy Abraham uh, just in order to fit Salah in? God, I'm really hoping I don't fold to fear here. Yeah, so obviously I don't do it like uh, do it for for a living like you do. But I mean, obviously I've still got to do this every week. I've still got to uh, still got to tweet, and people will know what my team is. So I think it's it's one of those big gambles that can go really really wrong and just just leave me absolutely bereft. Uh, so if it was like kind of for my own sanity, I think I'm kind of talking myself back into putting Salah in. It's just it's just what it what it enables not having him. It's just so good. It's just it's just so it's just so hard to, as you said earlier on, watch the Liverpool games, but knowing that you don't have him, like that's that's the that's the horror and the fact that he can turn on against pretty much everybody anybody at this point. It, it's it's horrible. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'll end up with Salah. Who knows, right? And the other two kind of well, the other two sort of premiums are are a bit more interesting actually because they are a little bit outside perhaps of the uh, of the twin plate however you want to term it um with Aubameyang I think the one who's uh, coming through a little bit for a lot of people so he hasn't actually blanked this season Aubameyang yet uh, so his 23.8% ownership have been very very happy um he's the key man at Arsenal especially with Lacazette now injured tough to own last season though I backed him big time last season but lots of low scores against the likes of Huddersfield at home made him really annoyingly unpredictable as did Unai Emery's penchant for playing him on the left um, but he's a joint second currently with Kun and Abraham for shots on target and as I mentioned earlier has not blanked and he's got a fantastic run of fixtures coming up after Man United um, he's got a, a Bournemouth Sheffield United Crystal Palace Wolves Leicester Southampton Norwich Brighton um, and West Ham so all the way into a game from game week 7 all the way up to game week 17 they don't play any teams in the top 6 and uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of them are a home game so captionable games probably for Aubameyang even some of the away games um, so he could be again a, an absolutely huge rank climber but can we fit him into our teams well? Yeah I think that's the key question isn't it you know you look at um his numbers are pretty good and, you know, with Lacazette out of the team, you've got to be think then, thinking that he's going to be getting a lot of 90 minutes, which often he didn't with uh, Lacazette being fit and firing and ready to come on. So I think that he's a great option, actually. But, you know, you look at, you know, you, you, there's no real way you can get Aguero and a Yang in your team without making some serious sacrifices elsewhere. And you compare the two of them and, you know, Aubameyang coming out second best for most of the key stats. You know, shots, 25 for Aguero, 20 for Aubameyang. There's not a big difference there, but if you look at it in a bit more detail, in the box shots, there's 22 for Aguero, 14 for Aubameyang. Big chances for Aguero, 12, 4 for Aubameyang. So just the general quality of chances and the fact that most of Aguero's are coming in the box kind of tells you the story, really. So Aguero is, is really the pick of the premium forwards. Obviously, you're paying a little bit extra for him, but I think that, you know, if, if I were to have a premium forward, I don't. But if I were, then Aguero is definitely the main man. And Aubameyang, although I think he's an excellent pick, especially with those upcoming fixtures, I think he is, he's definitely second best to Aguero. So 
He's not currently someone that's on my watch list, despite you know those those good numbers and those good fixtures upcoming. He, he's someone I got in Sky actually, but um, yeah, for FPL, he's uh, not uh, not on my radar for the moment. But uh, I'm sure that could change. Yeah, he's certainly a, a stalwart in the plastic beach of my Sky team. It's just the case that with the fixtures for Arsenal, it's being spoken about a lot. Arsenal aren't Man City. So if the fixtures are good, yeah, that, that, that's fine. But um, Man City's fixtures are equally not particularly bad. Um, and I, I think that like prioritising Aubameyang, maybe there'll be a bit of a rank jump there. But you've, also, you've got Kun Aguero sat there for, what, 1 million more? I think it's 1.2 million more now, maybe. But you've got him sat there with, with those numbers behind him. Like, I just feel like it's a little bit of a no-brainer there with Aubameyang, unless you're really convinced or a big Arsenal fan. I don't know. It, as you said, I, I think it just feels like if you do have Raheem Sterling, you might be able to fit Aubameyang in, but that's quite a difficult kind of ask, isn't it? Especially without a wild card, you're looking at minus eight, probably like fairly major surgeries will seem to fit him in. And does he warrant that? Maybe, but I'm not sure whether it's worth taking a minus four or minus eight for him. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll pay off over the course of the next kind of few weeks. But it's just a worrying time for Arsenal. I think there's still a lack of coherence, and it's still there's still a team that I'd struggle to pay that much money to back an individual. And I mean, they are all bearing a bust, aren't they? In terms of the the players who are worth owning, it's just I, I can't see a way at the moment to fit the Gabonese into my side. Um, and I just I think that that'll be the that'll be the way for a lot of people. So it may mean that those who do take the punt can profit. There are also so many good um, forwards at the more budget end of the scale as well. You know, like. Uh, Abraham, for for example, you know he's pretty much matching or doing better than Aubameyang for all the key key numbers, and he's coming in at seven point four compared to eleven. So, yeah, almost almost four million cheaper, three point six million cheaper. So, yeah, it's difficult to find a way to justify Aubameyang at the moment. And of course, Chelsea have fantastic upcoming fixtures as well. So, yeah, not really a clear reason to to get Aubameyang based on based on the numbers anyway. Certainly, and uh, the final man, sort of in this uh, in this kind of premium bracket, uh, old dirty Harry Harry Kane, um, on the sidelines now. I'm sure even as a Spurs, as a Spurs fan, you're, you're going to agree with that. Uh, Kane Rooney, the number ten, who really is doing a bit of a midfield job for you guys, isn't he? Uh, filling in where, where Musa Dembele left off by the looks of it, um, which is which makes uh, makes one man stand out a little bit. Uh, Son Heung-min, um, who's had a higher advanced position than Harry Kane in all the games that he's played this season, eight point one percent. He's in my wildcard team as the huge rank climber, as uh, Joe, uh, a principal scout for this weekend. He's very, very streaky as a player. And actually, last year, I looked at his data and I couldn't actually find very much to commend him. But he's one of those players who gets you a two-point haul or will get you a double-digit haul. I mean, did get an assist this weekend, but he is one of those guys who's very explosive. Southampton, Bryson, Watford in the next three. And he could even be a captaincy asset. Like, I'm seriously considering it this week because in times gone past, um, Southampton at home in, in a week where you've got an away game for both the Liverpool and Man City players in times gone by that Southampton game would be a game captaincy 100% for so many people Son is now Spurs number nine with a fantastic creative player behind him in Harry Kane uh, giving him assists and so I mean do you think there's a there's a cause to look at Son as being kind of the heir to Kane or the replacement for Kane almost in this bracket to, to represent Spurs yeah, I think there's a. I really like Son as a pick, actually. You know, I think you mentioned before that his numbers aren't that good, but actually, uh, you know, if you compare him per start, cause obviously he's only got four starts compared to Salah. You know, he's got um, four shots per start compared to Salah of two point eight three. So yeah, I think that he he's actually got pretty impressive underlying numbers, and 
as you say, he's playing up top for, for Spurs and Kane is actually the one that's dropping back a bit further. But I mean, the, I get, maybe it's because I'm a Spurs fan and I'm, uh, I'm always a, a little bit <laughs> pessimistic about their outcomes, sort of similar to you with Arsenal. That I, I'm just not convinced by them at the moment. You know, I'm not convinced that um, you know Pochettino's got his, his head in the right place. That uh, the players have, you know, they're all sort of uh, pointing in the right direction. But uh, that said, coming in at nine point six, I do think that he is a very strong option, actually. And uh, yeah, if I was on a wild card, he'd somebody. I would be strongly considering for my, for my team. And as you say, Spurs got tasty upcoming fixtures. So yeah, why not? Uh, I think that he will be a, a, a good pick and a, and a great rank climber. He's one of those players that can explode on any given day. Yeah, he said after his brace against Crystal Palace that he's uh, still looking to get that first hat-trick in the Premier League. So kind of hoping, if I do go for the captaincy, that that will be against Southampton. And knowing my luck, that'll be a two-pointer and it'll be against Brighton or something. Um, but yeah, it, oh, it's, it's just one of those where I could really double down. Like he's owned by 110%, so I could double down on having that sort of differential premium player get the captaincy in as well. Oh, oh I, I'm really tempted by it. Some people are very tempted by it. But equally, I've lived the other side of it when a big risk like Alexis Sanchez captaincy hasn't paid off. Yeah, I did do that a couple of times. That was the reason why I ended up so badly in my first year at WGTA. <laughs> you all just recoiled for people who can't see. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I can, I'm, really, I'm really liking that fixture against Southampton. I could, I could really do it. Just he's such a streaky player. He's one of those guys, isn't he? Right, okay. Um, so we've had a look at all the premiums and kind of given them a bit of a health check. So I guess the final question then is on the premiums. Are they all in rude health, Will? Is anyone that you're worried about? Or do you think, as you said at the start, they're all on the table and they could all do very, very well this year? Because that makes, the, that makes it fundamentally more exciting, doesn't it, if that's the case? Yeah, I think there's, as we said at the start, there's so many good picks, isn't there? You know, the, the ones that I would... Question really are the likes of Kane and the Bamiang as we've as we've already gone over. I just think there's a lot better, uh, you know, Aguero's a lot better options, and then there's a lot better value elsewhere as well. Um, and you know, Sterling is uh, a wait and see at the moment. I'm going to be hanging on and hoping that he comes good in the coming weekends. But yeah, I think there are a lot of good options, and it's not easy out there to try and pick the best ones. You know, I think that uh, there's yeah going to be some. Some big rank rises and big rank falls over the next few weeks as, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different picks out there. And uh, I think certainly, you know, you on your wild card, it's going to be interesting for you to, to, if you go different and go for the likes of Mane or Salah, then that's going to be interesting because you're going to have some big rank rise and rank drops as well, I imagine. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll feel good every now and again, but... Then- some weeks will be absolutely terrible, won't they? I think that just seems part and parcel of it. And what's really interesting at the moment is that, like, I guess, I don't know, I don't know if we've put that much, like, emphasis on it in the past. And obviously we had Eden Hazard last year, who was added into that sort of kind of premium bracket too, without Kevin De Bruyne, who has come back and replaced his fellow Belgians to some extent. Like, in the past, I guess at this point, there was a bit more of a settled, quote-unquote, template perhaps at this point. Whereas at the moment, you've got so many options who are looking viable, are producing, that, yeah, even if you're not wildcarding, you're probably looking at them thinking, well, I'd better stick, to be honest, because there's every chance that my guys can come through. Like, don't worry too much, for example, about losing 0.1 on Sterling this week, because... 
like you know he'll make it back in the next couple of weeks or it takes a couple of braces which is more than capable of doing I, I think um after kind of looking at all of them looking at the numbers like they're, they're all in rude health really apart from harry kane who's probably the one laggard who uh, can probably be fired from this particular set he, i say this and he's going to go into a hazard this weekend isn't he but but there you go like it is genuinely very tough and f- for my wild card i'm i'm pretty uh, uh, pretty torn about uh, about Mane and Salah particularly um, just not happy about losing Salah and I could well be drawn in but the price I mentioned earlier on is losing Abraham or losing Otamendi so something's got to give and I, it's, just, it's just whether I, I, I can for the third year in a row uh, take an outrageous risk um, on, on not going with Salah and, and seeing how it goes I've been punched the last two times so maybe third time will be the charm all right let's take a break there Will and we move on to the features who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right, so we're back and it's time for our feature section. This is our weekly staple of things that we talk about in the middle. It's market forces, the over 30s, Nick Pick versus the Tom Pick, uh, the zombies and uh, Dab Watch. Uh, no Dab Watch actually this week because Nick's, uh, Nick's out. But um, I do have something to fill it in uh, in the WGCA Mini League, uh, which uh, more than uh, comfort lack of Dab Watch here. Um, just to start off then with the market forces, Nick's normally man across this. So um, j- just a minute. <clears throat> Yeah, well, um, in the market forces, um, I'm looking at the top uh, top sellers here, Tom, and uh, top is Tammy Abraham. Yeah, he's been transferred in by uh, 286,000 people, and yeah, I think he's a brilliant pick, to be honest. It, usually, when I look at these transfers in and the you know the market forces, I think you know what are people on going for those picks? But actually, this week, uh, very you know pretty good list, to be honest. You know, Abraham top 280. 6,000, De Bruyne next, 203,000, you can't argue with that. Otamendi in third with 137,000. I think that he's a fantastic pick, actually. You know, he looks nailed on now. Laporte's been uh, ruled out for quite some time. Lundstrom, you know, no no, uh, no arguments there. And, and of course, Mount with uh, 120,000 transfers in as well. And, uh, yeah, I think those are all great picks, actually. Uh, what about you, Tom? Any question marks over any of those picks? No, I, I can completely see why that's all happened. Like, I think Otamendi is a very interesting uh, turnaround in fortunes, isn't it? He's gone from much pillory, the man who cost us all against Norwich, to, to a must-buy. I mean, I don't think he's going to get a goal and get an assist every week. Man City are not going to be playing Watford every week. Um, but yeah, um, I, I completely understand why he was there. Like, I got him in at 5.4 and think, well, he's an absolutely nailed City defender, which we were all looking for at the start of the year, weren't we? And now we've got one. And I, I completely trust Pep to basically make Dino and Otamendi work. Otamendi, of course, is given to flights of absolute ridiculousness worthy of wearing an Arsenal shirt. But um, he, he equally will probably just tick over and get clean sheets time out of number, I think. I mean, they've got uh, three home games coming up in the next five. And I'm, I'm fairly sure that Otamendi will return um, three or four clean sheets within, within that time. And just for, just for the long term, I'm, I'm very happy to have him because Pep has no one else. Why not? being sold to fit these guys in as I mentioned at the top of the pod Raheem Sterling is the man who's, who's really carrying the can for the De Bruyne transfers in and the Mount transfers in 220,000 managers have sold Raheem Sterling at this point and um, he's a uh, he was a uh, one of the highest owned players. It's now gone down to um, 41% near enough. And you can kind of understand why it's going on. But if I wasn't wildcarding, I'd definitely be holding on to him, I think. Can you understand why people are selling Sterling Will in this, uh, in this context? Yeah, I can. You know, when you're when you're paying that much for a player, you, you do expect him at the very least to start. And 
when he doesn't start, then you're you're going to be a bit miffed, and you're you're probably going to be looking to transfer him out. So yeah, I completely get why people are are shifting him. I would say though that you know now that he has got his rest, actually, that he he's probably unlikely to to get a rest for the next few. And we all know that he's a he's a brilliant fancy pick, and he he's very capable. Obviously, you know the last three weeks he's got two blanks and um, a no show. So yeah, I completely understand why people are getting rid. But at the same time. Uh, I think that over the next few weeks, he's going to be one of uh, the top scorers in the game. So I, I'm certainly okay with holding on to him and taking a few price drops if necessary, because I know that um, he'll hopefully be going in the other opposite direction in the not too distant future. Yeah, no, I can completely. I think we see this every year, and it will give rise to the the whole, oh, I've been trolled this week for selling this guy. Well, if you're selling Sterling, what do you expect? So, okay, I've sold him a wild card, but I'll, I'll be one of those people that you know, rising up on Twitter, won't I? Um, and elsewhere, um, you've got, as you mentioned, uh, Tammy Abraham's been bought by a lot of people, um, and that's led to um, a shifting of a few assets, namely uh, Marcus Rashford, who uh, went off Crocs. He looked pretty spent, actually, within the first 20 minutes against West Ham, barely made the hour, uh, sold by 170,000 people at this point kind of makes sense doesn't it United look no great shakes um, to fit in Otamendi and well uh, to make more money I guess the likes of Luca Dean um, managers have lost lost patience with him by the looks of it um, including me on my wildcard don't have, don't have him anymore and uh, Zinchenko have been sold so Dean's been sold by 140,000 Zinchenko by about 132,000 at the time of recording uh, Luca Dean will one of those players that we all heavily tips and I think we're pretty much all owned at the start of the year and still 27 uh, 28% owned like would you be happy feeling glad have a bit of sunshine in your bag about selling Dean like to make some money like can you understand that yeah I, c- I can understand it I mean Everton at the start of the season they seem to be racking up the clean sheets didn't they and um, for whatever reason they just completely seem to have lost their mojo at the back so uh, yeah the the, the numbers to back that up are, are pretty clear as well. They, they seem to be, you know, conceding a lot more chances. And of course, they have Manchester City up next. So um, that's <laughs> that's definitely not going to be a clean sheet, you would have thought. So you're going to be hoping for some kind of attacking re- return from Dean. You know, I, I still think he's a he's a solid pick, though. Um, he's in my team and he's uh, he's probably not going to be coming out this week as a potential that I, I could move in but I think that I'll hold on to him and probably hold on to him for the next few weeks as well I the, their fixtures after the City match aren't too bad and um, yeah if I was on a wild card I'd definitely be getting rid but on not on a wild card I think that you know he's, he still does offer a threat going forward and you know he's still on free kicks and he can get those hauls so um, he's not a bad pick but I, I can understand why people are ditching yeah, I think with Dean, you have to have the both sides of the coin with him. You have to have the the team getting with a good chance of getting a clean sheet, as well as him doing the individual madnesses, and um, that that we know and love from him. Like at the moment, Everton are a bit of a weird one, and um, they're actually third from bottom uh, for shots conceded in the box, for example. So they're not actually particularly bad. Um, they they are, however, um, you know, joint fifth or whatever it is for for big chances conceded, and. It's, Watching them, they, they seem to have a, have a shade of the worst Man City in them. They've got that one big mistake in them, that one big kind of meltdown that lets other teams in. And on the other side of it as well, like TAA is a good example of a player who maybe doesn't have those clean sheets, but has that individualism with him that obviously he can score the, the odd rocket, but he also gets the assists. So at the moment, Dean does not have somebody that 
will be on the other end of those uh, of, of those fantastic uh, chances creating, right? Um, so the demon days for Everton at the moment looks like Marco Silva's uh, on kind of thin ice, and yeah, it just feels like it's time to get rid. I mean, he's always going to be a player that is I'm going to be watching and thinking I might get him back, but. I can understand why people are doing it, and I had to do it just to basically just make other things. So it feels like kind of one of the big building blocks of uh, of big at the back is uh, is really falling away. And uh, finally, this week, uh, Daniel James makes up the top five for uh, transfers out. Seventy one thousand managers have, have sold him um, after a, a spurt from six point zero to six point two. It looks like he's going down the other way, and it's, it's just generally as we've seen, with, as I mentioned with Rashford as well, we're looking like uh, United are a, a team to step away from for the time being until their fixtures price in around sort of game week 10 time. Yeah, and no, I, can, I can understand that one as well. You know, I watched the match against West Ham and on paper you think that, you know, West Ham, they're not that great defensively and Man United might, to, might be able to hit them on the break. But um, they, they just look completely lost, to be honest. You know, James didn't look uh, that threatening and, you know, neither did Rashford. So I, can, I completely understand why those two are being transferred out. And uh, yeah, certainly... I'd probably avoid United for, for the time being in terms of their, their fixtures ease up a little bit. Cool. All right. Um, so, yeah, quite a lot going on in the market. Let's uh, move on to the next bit, which is the over 30. So this is the team that Nick and I set up at the start of the year because we both hit the uh, 30 milestone, which I believe you've hit, Will, just below. Are you, are you 29 at the moment? No, 31. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I hit 30 in March, yeah. You hit 30 in March, yeah. So you've, jo- you've joined us over, over the hill. Um, so we set up an FPL team back at the start of the year to, to prove that there was still life in the old dogs yet. Um, they're currently ranked uh, about 1.8 million. And they did all right this week, 54 points. Uh, Kun Aguero and uh, David Silva doing the business. 11 points for Silva and 18 points for Aguero, the captain. Uh, up front, Aubameyang didn't repeat the heroics. Uh, but Mark Noble in, in midfield got an assist uh, to help them forward. But yeah, no goalkeeper either with uh, Hugo Lloris' injuries. So 54 this week, but still not bad and two free transfers in the camp. Next bit is the Nick pick versus the Tom pick. This is the, the section where we uh, tend to make a pick based on our, our kind of personality to some extent. So Nick's is a small C conservative pick and my pick is a mad scientist sort of pick. Uh, last week, Nick picked Callum Wilson, um, a very boring pick who obviously did pay off eventually in the last minute of the seven points. It was only shot of the game after looking anemic the whole time, as indeed he has done the whole season. And uh, my pick, Gineppo, did not play. Nick has done a pit this week, and uh, it's Ricardo Pereira. Um, a home, he says, uh, a plum home match for the six million man against Newcastle, and Nick fancies him to achieve the much fabled double return of attacking and defensive sort of uh, that combination. Uh, Leicester's fixture turning, he says, so it could be one to consider for those ditching Dean that want to remain big at the back. Right, uh, thanks, Nick. And uh, my 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 one this week is uh, Buendia at Norwich. Um, obviously, they're uh, away against Crystal Palace, but uh, Buendia and Puki have, uh, as I've mentioned on the, on the past couple of pods, performed very very well together. Obviously, t- Todd Campwell does kind of push him out of being part of any team that you're probably going to be putting together because triple Norwich. Nah, you're not going to do that. Uh, but Buendia, I think, has definitely got it in him to uh, uh, to get a couple of assists and, and uh, help uh, Norwich pass that stubborn Crystal Palace defence. So the next section is the zombies. A big shout out here to Eric Amundsen and Kim R.A. Gabrielson uh, for messaging us uh, about some uh, some cheaters, which I've removed. It, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's not like the, the Scandinavians are not only just amazing at proper FBL, but also at being sheriffs in the zombie league. Absolutely fantastic. Um, this week for me, um, the zombies did really well. Uh, 71 points uh, put me to shame, unfortunately. Uh, the big heroes were Chris Wood, uh, 13-pointer. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Nicola Pepe got given the penalty uh, for, by uh, by Aubameyang. Uh, Matt Ryan with a 10-pointer at the back. And uh, 
so I've I've had Laporte for a while, Will, and uh, obviously he's been injured. So um, one man's been coming off the bench for him week in week out, and that man is Lise Mousset. Um, so obviously that's re- recently been a one pointer, uh, but Lise Mousset scored the second goal uh, for Sheffield United against Everton. So he came off the bench and gave them five points to get them seventy one, and. Depressingly, those points from Lise Mousset have put the zombies ahead of me, my actual team. That's very, very depressing indeed. Um, so first bench um, has, has come back to haunt me. I'm just hoping I'm going to, be able to headshot them uh, onwards in the future. But um, just to go over the zombie league, because we actually can do it this week. But the top player is uh, CU in 38, FPLJR, um, who I believe is on FPL Twitter. So well done to you. He's actually in the top 10K at the moment. 404 points. His overall rank is 9765. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, in second, it's a set and forget, Devin Fenix. Uh, got 74 this week. He's also in the top 15k uh, this <laughs> so far. Uh, in, in third, um, it's uh, Zombies Knees. And this guy got 105 points this week. Unspecified King Will. I hope that's not you, is it? <laughs> Sadly no, not. <laughs> no, so he had Bernardo Silva in his team, a uh, hat-trick hero. Lundstram at the back, Captain Mo Salah, KDB up front, Jota and Callum Wilson coming in for him. So a massive jump there. Up to, again, 15k in the world. And uh, below them, uh, Robert Williams, 38 games later. And uh, M. Reski Dwiputra, uh, FPL Celebes, um, making up the top five. Absolutely ridiculous absolutely crazy stuff and um, actually kind of on the first like the first page of the zombies uh, the guy in 50th in this league is Joshua Hoyt he's actually um, in the top 200k at the moment so it is that time when you've got the zombie supremacy and I guess there must be a little bit of a uh, little part of you especially if I found myself you know all the way up to uh, uh, to, to kind of the top 10k with my zombie team but wouldn't you feel like you want to take over Will at that point just be like yeah yeah this is my team all along guys yeah, no, that's going to be pretty tempting. I, I haven't done the, the math, but I, I dread to think that, you know, what my starting team would have scored. I, I'm pretty much certain that had I not changed anything from the, the team I started the season with, I'd probably have more points. But, you know, that's kind of the way the season's gone a little bit, hasn't it? So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, pretty depressing, really. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got a soul draw now, haven't we, and keep, keep trying. Yeah, exactly. Just, I'm just hoping that tomorrow comes today and I'm able to take overtake them and leave them in the dust. But I'm, I'm, I know I'm not alone. And there's lots of people who are being absolutely smashed by the zombies at the moment. But I'm sure it will turn around, guys. I'm sure it will. Right, let's take a break there and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and uh, it's time to catch up with the WGTA Mini League. And uh, we can actually give you an update this week as well. Because it's one of those rare weeks where we're recording after the football's finished. Normally uh, there's Monday Night Football on or there's something else that means we're always recording the Sunday. Uh, but we can finally give a status update. And leading the Mini League at the moment is uh, Alec Wenhold, uh, Fred the Red Eleven. Um, he's uh, sitting pretty at 586 in the world. 91 points this week. Uh, Captain De Bruyne, uh, the likes of John McGinn, uh, the likes of of Lundstram at the back and TAA and Callum Wilson up front uh, propelled him to an absolutely fantastic week which uh, took him uh, took him to the top 
Second is uh, Anes Kaladi, who uh, got 37 this week, a modest 37. I think he's been leading for quite a while, um, but he, he vice-captained uh, Sadio Mane, unfortunately, and didn't, uh, did have Kevin De Bruyne, but didn't have any other kind of point scorers elsewhere. But it is a really good team. It's got the likes of Mount and Abraham in it. it he was also hamstrung by the fact that um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles got himself sent off. Um, and also kind of a joint third. I mentioned earlier on that we didn't have a dab watch this week. We, we kind of do. So um, in, in third, it's Fortuna Baguette, uh, David Strong, uh, 427 points, 82 points this week. He's sitting pretty uh, at 729th in the world. Um, at FPL Satan uh, tweeted me earlier on saying, uh, and I quote, uh, my dad's team is 2.5k in the world at the moment. The dude's made three transfers all season. He's, he did the mini wildcard in game week three to buy Pookie, Cantwell and Dean. And he's still rolling with Joe Linton. But the guy is, yeah, he barely looks at FPL by the sounds of it, but third in the mini league and in the top thousand in the world. Absolutely fantastic performance, uh, David. So uh, well done. Uh, that, that's the proper hashtag dab watch, isn't it? There, see how that guy's going. But yeah, absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, in fourth, it's uh, Stephen Stannard, who I know was doing very well at the start of this year as well, who got 7 7 this week. And uh, rounding off the top five, it's a, a tie actually between a like new signing, uh, Declan Kelly, and Benny FC, Ben Gogos. But loads of people doing really really well so congratulations to you all let's move on then uh, to the questions this week uh, quite a few and I, I guess it's probably time to mention my wild card a bit more as well and uh, helpfully there are a few people who ask questions so I, I didn't push them into it they just happened to so so thank you to these guys uh, so the first question is a uh, wild card must-haves um, FPL Simpson FPL Jag and Rich basically ask about wild card and you know for those wild carding um, who are the key ones to have that's what FPL Simpson asked and uh, Jag and Rich ask if uh, Son and Cantle are better than Maddie and Mount and uh, FPL Feed the Goat also had a question about this he asked about some kind of under the radar sort of defensive picks too so there's quite a lot to talk about in terms of wildcarding generally and just to give you where I am with my wildcard I I appreciate that um, it's being spoken over so it might be it might be difficult to visualize it but i'm not putting this on twitter just because i'm going to get so much what about this what about that it'd just be impossible to get the balance between good advice and just telling people what i think um Bellman, I've got Pope in goal. I've got a back three of um, Alexander-Arnold, Otamendi and Soyonchu. And Soyonchu and uh, Lundstram are pretty much going to be the defensive cover. Like Lundstram will come in for Watford, for example, against in game week eight when Soyonchu's got Liverpool. Uh, in midfield, I've currently got Sadio Mane. That's just so far, I'm not too sure about that. Uh, Todd Cantle is just part of any wild card you make. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, again, part of any wild card you make. Uh, Son Heung-min, um, and I've got uh, Hayden at the moment, 4.5 first venture. And up front, I've got uh, Sergio Aguero, Tammy Abraham and Timmy Pukki. So quite a straightforward wild card, I think. I'm hoping that means that I'll uh, be able to uh, really climb those ranks. But yeah, quite, quite a lot there, isn't there, Will, in terms of players that you would be interested in? Like, who do you think are the must-haves? So I think for me, they are kind of camp well to just give you a little bit of um, a little bit of enablement. Uh, a Liverpool defender, probably TAA actually, is the one to have, isn't he? Um, De Bruyne, Pukki. But I think apart from that, like, it is pretty open, isn't it? Maybe you've got Tammy Abraham in there as well as a uh, potential must-have now. Yeah, um, just going back to, you know, uh, FPL Simpson's question, uh, you know, Son or Son and Cantle versus Madison and Mount. You know, I think that uh, if you're just looking at that in isolation, then Madison and Mount are actually probably better picks than Son and Cantwell. But as you said, you know, the, the flexibility that Cantwell gives you, you know, in that price bracket and the fact that you can play him some weeks and you can, you can, you know, rotate him with maybe a 4.5 bench player, then 
I think I'd probably go for Son, Son and Cantwell. But as you say, yeah, I think the, the first names on my team sheet would be Alexander-Arnold, uh, probably De Bruyne, um, Cantwell. I think uh, probably Abraham would be up there with the names on my wild card. I think Ottomendi's a, you know, he's a pretty much a, yeah, he's a fantastic pick. He would definitely be in my wild card as well. So, yeah, there's some picks there. And, you know, I'd probably include Aguero as well. So I think there are a lot of, lot of picks which you know kind of pick themselves really and that you haven't got to think too much about them uh but um yeah i, I like the, the sound of your wildcard by by the way and i think that yeah it's uh definitely got a lot of key picks in there but some some really nice differentials as well i do like the sun pick and i think that he could be yeah as we mentioned before great shout for the next few weeks yeah i hope so as well i think with the with the madison the, with madison being mentioned there that's a, one of the things that i've been thinking about because like on wild cards in the past i think what i've done is i've looked too far ahead almost and gone yeah i'm going to be planning for when this team have great fits when that team have great fits as well i should probably own this guy because i think he's going to do well in the future like madison uh, we'll talk about leicester in a minute but falls into that sort of category of a player that i can't quite fit in but i'd like to and son so good because i can go down to madison if needs be um and in terms of the feed the goat question about um under the radar picks at the back I mean, Soyon Chu I think is just pretty good player at home really uh, Leicester's fixtures are very very good coming up like he seems very solid seems to have slotted into the Maguire's role in the solid defence pretty easily more than happy to field him around the 4.5 million kind of area there's a lot of choice but perhaps not a lot of quality like you've got Tamori at Chelsea who a lot of people are talking about at the moment um, obviously started the last three um, scored that obviously fantastic goal I'm not too sure that that's ever going to happen again um, but he looks to he looks to currently be favoured like he got in over Zuma against Liverpool for example so that's a that's a pretty big vote of confidence from Frank isn't it so he could be one that you could be thinking of like elsewhere like in the stats it's not particularly great uh, one name that does come out who has been in a few of my drafts actually is Kiko Firmino at 4.4 obviously post what he just lost 8-0 uh, but he is a joint second for chance to create amongst defenders at the moment with 8 I guess the other thing is maybe a, like a Burnley double up or something like that could work uh, the likes of Matt Lowton or something like that could could well play a role it's just I just don't know about that because I am Pope I'm not sure I want to put all my eggs in that one particular defensive basket so Solange is kind of the, the default for me obviously we haven't mentioned Lindstrom because you don't have to really I think he's just the player that you pretty much need to own at this point I had such FOMO about a 4.0 base price player this weekend very very weird indeed like is there anyone else you'd add to the mix or want to comment on in that kind of cheap defensive area Will? Do you know I don't think there is really I mean I had a quick look at it and there isn't any players that sort of really jump out that are under the radar i mean you look at the the teams which have good upcoming fixtures and you know those are the ones that you'd potentially go to for uh cheap defensive assets and you look at um west ham and norwich maybe and bournemouth but these are teams which you, you don't have a good defensive record and i wouldn't look to go for i think the one there that you know you mentioned uh burnley are probably you know they do have a good run of fixtures and their defenders are pretty good value but you know I, I still think that there are better options out there you know if you if you go fairly cheap with Lundstrom and then you you know upgrade to to someone a little bit more pricier so in terms of budget cheaper budget options that there isn't anyone that massively jumps out on me at the moment no fair enough yeah a bit of a wasteland down there isn't it 
Cool. Uh, right. So moving on to the next question then, it's about Sissy Triple Ups. Um, so Joe Finlay Barder and John O'Four would ask who, again on wildcard, but you know, generally, what's the best Sissy Triple Up to go with? Because Man City going forward are obviously such a force. I think a lot of people are looking at uh, tripling up all over the place. Like John O, for example, is looking at tripling up on, on, on the attacking uh, assets, for example, for City. Um, so I, I feel like a triple up is sort of something which is fairly hygiene. Like I've got um, Otamendi... Uh, KDB and, and Kuniguera at the moment as I mentioned but I guess it's kind of a fair question who are the three best players and would you even go for a triple city kind of attack well I, I think first things first you, you've got to go three city that's just um, a given I think I'd probably go like five or six city if I, if I could and have the budget to but um, the ones you're going for are probably the ones that I would go for on a wild card Otamendi De Bruyne and Aguero um, I think there probably is a case to you know go triple up you know, in attack, but obviously that takes a, a huge bunch of your budget. So it's just, you know, it's just a question of whether you, you want to spend that much money up top. And I, I think that the amount of clean sheets that they're, they're likely to churn out, I think that Otamendi at 5.4, he's he's a fantastic pick. And, you know, the, the other, you know, premium defensive team which you would go for is Liverpool. And they don't have very good fixtures, so it makes sense to to go for a, a City defender in that sort of premium price bracket. So um, I think that for me, yeah, I think I'd probably go with the, the three that you picked. But I do think there's a case for going De Bruyne, Sterling and Aguero if you can fit it in. And, you know, I, I guess you could even consider the, the Silvers. You know, Bernardo obviously came in with a massive haul this weekend, so any of those City forwards line could could get a, a big haul on any given day. So uh, I think that, you know, as long as you uh, go for three, definitely, and I can I can see the argument for, for going more up top, but uh, I think Otamendi is a, is a, offers fantastic value at the moment, so I definitely want him in my team. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think probably the same. It's just if I can afford Salah alongside him. Um, I, I think with, um, with the triple, like, a triple attack that is. Um, I think you, you can, as you said, definitely make a case for Sterling can KDB. It just feels like too imbalanced for me. Like I don't know whether it's just uh, having played for a while and have some sort of sense of pattern recognition. But if I have like an imbalanced team, like I just don't like it. Like something in me just just doesn't like that. Even though I know the fact is that you can get a lot of points out of it. I mean, you mentioned uh, Bernardo Silva. You mentioned David Silva. You know, you've got um, Don from uh, Free Amigos has a uh, Riyad Mahrez, for example. Or had him. I'm not sure if we still got him. Um, but like, there are just so, so many things you could do. Especially, I, I think we, you know you've got KDB as a definite. You've got one of Sterling and Cunaguero as the other one you've got a little bit of space perhaps to fit in one of the cheaper options or if you can go crazy and get both of the premiums i can see why you do or sorry all three of the premiums i could see why you do that it just just feels a bit imbalanced to me that's all i just don't like it basically but if you do and you do uh, think that that's uh, kind of the best way forward it could be a fantastic differential because a lot of the time like yeah one player is a huge differential but actually owning this player plus another player plus another player is an absolutely massive one. I doubt there are many people out there who have got Kuniguero and have got Raheem Sterling and have got K- KDB. If that goes off, my lord, that could be an absolutely monster week for you, like, like, as it could have been this week if Raheem had played. Risk versus reward, ultimately, isn't it? And uh, moving forward, uh, Tammy Rush. Uh, so Flapjack asks if it's now time to disembark from the Barnes train, sorry, Hindi Monkey, and uh, get Tammy in. 
Um, so you know, we mentioned uh, his good stats earlier on. He said that he's matching Aubameyang to some extent. He's got a fantastic, fantastic run of pitches coming up. Brighton, Southampton, Newcastle, Burnley, Watford, Crystal Palace. Uh, so from game week seven to game week 12, uh, no teams in the top six uh, to be played. A sea of green. Uh, I, I think that's a, yeah, a bit of an open and shut case with Tammy. He's actually more owned now than Mason Mount is. Um, obviously, we had a few few worries about him. He didn't quite do it against Liverpool, though he did manage to get a couple of chances away. And his movement was good enough to, uh, on another day, have scored. It's just that he's now playing the sorts of teams that if he is kind of Romelu Lukaku, Mark II, the flat track bully, he is facing the sorts of teams you'd expect who's against right and um, so yeah I completely understand why Tammy is uh, so loved in the market forces as you mentioned and uh, yeah would you disembark the barn train will and get him in is it just a case of just get Tammy at any cost yeah I mean the, the I think there's four key things that I try and look for in a transfer one is you know underlying form he's, he's got that underlying numbers he's absolutely got that his numbers are through the roof uh, value does he offer good value absolutely you know playing uh, up top for you know potentially a, a top six team and you know he's he's coming in at very cheap he, he's, he seems like uh, yeah it seems like he's nailed on in that starting 11 and fixtures and he's got absolutely phenomenal fixtures so he really does tick all the boxes and he's somebody that I'm going to be bringing in this week and I've got, I haven't got Barnes, but if I did have Barnes, I, I think that that's a very sensible move. At the moment, I do have Haller, and I'm strongly considering the Haller to Abraham move. Uh, the thing that slightly holds me back is that Haller has uh, Bournemouth up next, and uh, I can just see that he's he could do well in that fixture. But um, you know, I watched the United match against uh, West Ham, and. Haller actually looked pretty poor. He didn't really have many chances. He he wasn't getting in the positions which I'd like to see. So I think on balance, uh, I probably am going to make the move from Haller to Abraham. And if I had Barnes, I think I'd definitely make that move as well. So yeah, Abraham for me ticks all the boxes and I think he's going to be a great pick over the next few weeks. Yeah, certainly looks the main man at Chelsea now. Again, that was one of the things he said at the start of the season. We don't know who the main man is going to be at Chelsea. Definitely like Sammy Abraham. Um, obviously, there's a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a caveat there that he um, is outperforming his XG by a long way. Uh, three goals, uh, seven goals scored, 3.25 XG, so 3.750 performance there. But a lot of the goals have been fantastic just basically through a player on form taking those sorts of shots on that you wouldn't do if you were out of confidence and yeah long may that continue now I own him um so yeah th- there you go I-, I think that yeah I did own Barnes for a couple of games I feel like I've scratched that itch now I, I wish him every success I hope that train does continue to trundle on very very nicely and make a Hindi monkey happy but um yeah for me there's no room at the end for Barnes and I'd be completely thinking kind of cold rationally without the emotional love I've got for Barnes to be thinking yeah it maybe is time for him to go especially if you if you've got that kind of easy move to Tammy and I can I can understand as well where you're getting rid of Haller um that that makes sense to me for, for whatever reason with Haller, although his numbers were very, very good at the start of the season, I feel like uh, at Frankfurt, what he was doing was basically enabling Jovic to play a lot of the time. And it looks like he's uh, uh, becoming that sort of uh, complete forward. He's playing other people in in the support role at the moment. Um, whether he will get the goals going forward, is, is it remains to be seen. Um, but it looks like he's looking for um, Yarmolenko a lot at the moment, um, from, was my observation. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Lanzini missing out is a big loss for West Ham at the moment as well. So I think they're lacking a little bit in terms of creativity. And he, he's one of those forwards where 
he's not going to create a huge amount by himself and you know he brings others into play and stuff but um yeah i think with with a little bit lacking in creativity then uh yeah i don't think he's a bad pick and um ordinarily you know with bournemouth up next he, he's not somebody that i'll be looking to transfer out but i think just you know tammy uh in he just looks like such a good pick that it, it does seem like a little bit of a no-brainer move Cool. All right. Um, next question's on Pepe, uh, Nicola Pepe. Uh, Goops asked if Pepe could be great value at 9.4 million for the upcoming run. So this kind of compensates for the fact we barely spoke about him earlier. Um, or as Charch underscore AU put it, is Pepe the second coming of Yannick Balassi? Uh, so uh, Pepe obviously signed to great fanfare by Arsenal this summer. Um, 22 goals, 11 assists last season for Lille. Um, it's worth noting that nine of them uh, came as his first goal did for Arsenal uh, from the penalty spot. He has looked like at the start of the year that he's been trying to force it. I don't really know what it is. Like his timing's just off. Like it's just not quite happening for him at the moment. And Aubameyang gave him the penalty on the weekend, like he did with Lacazette last year, to basically give him a goal to try to get him going. Like we mentioned the fixtures for Arsenal coming up. So he could be one that you definitely keep an eye on, especially at 9.4. I don't think either of us would be saying that he's worth buying in at the moment, but it feels like he, he probably is one to monitor, isn't he, Will? I think he is, yeah. And, you know, he's still got half-decent numbers. It hasn't quite clicked for him, as you say, but I think the potential is there, and I think at some point in the season he will come good. But um, it's difficult to, to say whether that's going to be now or it's going to be, you know, in 10 game weeks' time. So it's not somebody I'd jump on at the moment, but... He's, uh, yeah, I've got my eye on him. And if he does start clicking and um, Arsenal start clicking, then he could be good value at 9.4. Yeah, I think there were some hopes that he'd be kind of the most Salah sort of character who come in, hit the ground running and smash it from early on. Like the 9.5, there was definitely a lot of it excitement early doors wasn't there for whatever reason and it hasn't quite happened with him um i think maybe there's an argument with Salah that he was coming into a system that was built for a player like him to come into and really shine with arsenal who knows um so maybe with pepe it will there will be a little bit of a bedding in period especially he was the main man at lille and he's not the main man at arsenal that's what bamiang so it's interesting to see how that will kind of work out maybe it'll be he's one for next season sort of thing we may see that kind of throughout this season he will steadily improve and there may come a time when he's part of the zeitgeist but yeah at the moment definitely a wait and watch and just one of those players who uh, could well come in eventually you know like Son get rid of him go down to him if, in my case or you know maybe he may be worth an upgrade if he starts smashing it starts showing some form and Arsenal do have good fixtures but yeah he might he might be one of those players you can happily avoid all seasons I don't know just see basically how he adapts but at the moment it looks like it's a bit of a fitful adaptation period yeah, I think that, you know, obviously at that price point, you're comparing him to Son, as you say, and De Bruyne as well. And they both of those look considerably better picks than him. So, um, yeah, I think, as you say, it's a, it's a wait and see and just one to keep an eye on, but uh, certainly wouldn't be considering him for, for my team at the moment. Cool. And uh, the final questions this week, uh, I mentioned a second ago that we're going to talk about Leicester. First one is Madsen. So I mentioned him a second ago in terms of the question from uh, uh, Jag and Rich Vialo Gonsalves and the FPL Scrappy Do ask what do we think about Maddie? Maddie obviously last season top chance creator with 99 one of those uh, stats which is seared into my brain for some reason which I'm sure is taking up uh, brain space could use something much more useful one of those players who's really flourishing and looked very good against your team Will uh, this weekend's uh, Spurs didn't he? Yeah I've got my eye on Madison actually because obviously Leicester got a, a good run of fixtures coming up and um 
he's just got a really good shot volume. He, he takes a lot of shots and uh, he's <laughs> recently he's been failing to score with them. Um, but, you know, with that goal that he scored against Spurs, um, maybe his, his fortunes could change. I, I know that he does take a lot of shots outside of the box. You know, he's got 20 shots and only nine of those are inside the box. Uh, but, you know, 20 shots is, is a lot. And I don't know, you compare it to the likes of Mane, for example, who's got 12 shots and Madison's got 20. So there is certainly um, room for Madison to, you know, come out and, and be a good FPL asset. And, and at 7.1, I think he's, he's well-priced and Leicester have got good fixtures. So, yeah, I think he, he's definitely going to be a good pick over the next few weeks. Is he someone that you've considered for your wildcard team? Um Oh, he's one of those players who, as I mentioned earlier, he's been in that sort of periphery where I may in the past have kind of thought, yeah, I'll get him in because he's got good fixtures coming up. But he, he can't, I can't quite find room for him at the moment. I think the onus is on him to, to make it that I can't ignore him anymore. He's like one of those players who you would get in as a punt or later on you get in if he starts to consistently perform. And like obviously with the chance creation volume and the shots volume, there's always you know, the chance that something could happen. He does have form, of course, with taking long shots. I think last season only 30% of his 82 shots were, were in the box, for example. So it's a lot of screamers. It's a lot of kind of Frank Lampard-esque, Mason Mount-esque sort of thing going on. And just mentioning Mount there just brings into play the individual who may keep Madsen out of a lot of sides. It is Mason Mount because he's 6.5, does occupy that sort of mid-price third fourth midfielder sort of bracket and I think that given the fact that Chelsea got great fixtures and a lot of people probably have a lot of uh, value tied up in Mount by now and um, that may mean that Maddie becomes a bit of a potent differential if he does show the sort of form that's there like well I think some of the uh, FPL Jossie our friend Kissy would absolutely love is the fact that I don't like the idea of paying 0.5 million more for a player than other people who have who've started off at six. I know that sounds a bit silly, um, but in, in this regard, if I'm buying him and Tammy Abraham, then that's 0.8 million extra that I've spent on players that other people have got that money free. So it gives other people who haven't wildcarded or people who are going to wildcard in the future an advantage. So I can stomach buying uh, buying one of them. I just don't think I can quite stomach buying them both. Uh, but that's the point. I think the Mount is probably going to be the player who keeps Maddie out of a lot of teams. So it could mean that he's a very potent differential if he can uh, kind of start showing uh, the end products uh, that, that we uh, that we expect of him. I think it was, he, did, he had a fairly modest points total last year. It was 130 or so. So we want to see him kick on a little bit and who knows, attract the attention of Manchester United. Um, and uh, the final question on Leicester this week is the Vardy party. So my mate Lee, from FPL family you're right mate um, asks if, if now is the time to jump on Vardy or do we wait until after Liverpool um, so yeah Jamie Vardy rat face uh, a, a much maligned but ultimately much loved figure after last year's uh, end of season explosion uh, an absolute hero of talisman theory uh, what do you think about Jamie Vardy Will? Jamie Vardy's always an interesting one isn't he because you know he's he doesn't have good uh, numbers he never really has as an FPL asset you know he's got uh, nine shots so far this season. You compare that to Madison's 20 and you're thinking, well, you know, I, w- I wouldn't even consider Vardy. He, he costs uh, a couple of million more than Madison. Why, why would you be looking at him? But he's one of those players that doesn't need a lot of chances to score big. And, you know, of those nine shots on target, uh, he's got seven of those inside the box, which uh, is almost the same as Madison. And he's uh, he's got four big chances, which is double that of Madison, which just kind of shows that, he, the chances that he does get are good quality and he's he's a lethal finisher, isn't he? And he, he 
he will get you goals over the next uh, set of matches. And I think he's a good pick. But having said that, I think there are better picks out there like with the likes of Tammy Abraham and that are coming in cheaper. And if, if I were, you know, for me, Tammy Abraham and Aguero and probably Puki are the three main forwards to have right now. So I, I don't really see a way that you can squeeze Vardy in in that bunch. But, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's a bad pick. I think he, he will score goals over the next few matches. So, yeah, if you can find a way to squeeze him in and uh, you don't fancy the other ones that I mentioned, then why not? Yeah. What about you? Have you even considered him for your wild card or no, is he just, a no-go? No, just because of those the, the three that you mentioned, I, I just find it very difficult to see past them and where Vardy fits into that. So I, I'm rolling with Soyonchu, Lord Farquhar as my only uh, my only Leicester asset. I mean, Vardy's owned by under 10% at the moment. I feel like he always does this, unless he absolutely explodes like, at the end of last season consistently. I feel like he's always a differential. He's always the player that somebody in your mini-league has got in. And that one week he does get an, a hat-trick or something, that guy absolutely smashes it in the mini-league. I completely agree with your characterization of Vardy. I kind of characterize him as a bit of a scavenger. Like, he, he, he just won't take that many shots, will he? But the ones he does take do tend to be big chances. And that, interestingly, also feeds into his bonus. Um, so it, it kind of goes under, understated that Vardy's a bit of a bonus hog. So over the last couple of years, 31 bonus points, 28 bonus points. Like, I think that puts him in the top two or top three for bonus amongst all players over the last couple of years, just because he, he doesn't waste the shots. Like, a shot's going to go on target, so it doesn't get are penalised for missing like the likes of Mo Salah do and uh, he basically doesn't do very much except score um, and Brendan Rodgers' system set up very well for him in terms of the timing so wasting until after Liverpool as Lee said um, what do we know about Jamie Vardy? Vardy loves to score against the big teams um, and why is that? Because the big teams go for it so what does that do because it means Leicester can play on the counter um, do you remember in the first year when Pep was at Man City set up against Leicester a very very high line dear me what were you doing Pep what were you doing um, so I can imagine that if you do get him in this week for, for Newcastle there'll be very little interest in buying him ahead of Liverpool but you could well profit I think if you do do it it's just the case of as you said well is there room at the inn for Jamie at the moment? I, I just don't think so. But if, if you do have that room in your in your team and you want kind of that explosive punt, then why not Vardy, especially those great fixtures coming up? Like you can imagine over the next kind of few games, he's going to score the bulk of his sort of output for the whole season. Like Leicester have got great fixtures all the way until game week 17, which is why so I want choosing my team because I can just field him every week apart from against Liverpool in game week eight. So yeah, I can understand. Um, if you were kind of bringing him in, I, I wouldn't delay it unless you're kind of waiting to see what happens with your current pick. You've got Allaire, for example, and you're waiting on him. It's a managerial judgment in the, the day, but I completely understand why you buy Jamie Vardy in the end. Cool. Uh, speaking of buying, let's move on to the, uh, to the end bit. So transfers and captains, Will, who are you looking at this week? And crucially, who are you looking to captain? Because it's quite a difficult week, isn't it? It's a tricky one this week, and I, I haven't made my mind up. I'm certainly going to do the Haller to Abraham move. I probably should have done it before uh, Abraham's price rise, but I just, yeah, I just wanted a, a bit more time to consider it and make sure that it's definitely the right move that I want to make. But I'm pretty set on making that move now. Um, I have got two free transfers this week, actually. So I might look at bringing Otamendi in, or I could bank it with the view to revisit the Sterling Aguero debate next week. And, Having two free transfers will be useful if I did want to eventually succumb to the, the, the lure of Aguero. Uh, in terms of captaincy, as you say, it's, it's a difficult one this week. To be honest, I'm, I'm actually pretty tempted to 
bring Abraham in and captain him because Chelsea are super attacking and um, I, I think that they, you know, they got Brighton at home. That's a pretty favourable fixture. Although saying that, you know, Brighton, they have been fairly solid at the back. Um, so, yeah, the, the other one would be Salah against uh, Sheffield United. But yeah, Sheffield United seem pretty solid at the back as well. So there isn't a straightforward option. Obviously, City away to Everton. Uh, I think if I had Aguero, then he would he would be a great candidate as well. And I could try and captain Sterling for what is this, the fourth week running. But um, I, I don't think I could do that to myself. So, yeah, not an easy call this week. At the moment, I'm leaning towards Abraham. What about you? Oh, that's an interesting one. I hadn't really considered that uh, too much. But yeah, that, that could be uh, could be interesting. I've got the captaincy on Son at the moment, as mentioned, uh, for the Southampton game. It's just a case of whether I want to basically double down on uh, the differential. Like, Obviously, there's an argument that just owning him is differential enough. But imagine that I own him and he also scores a brace. Apes and ownership, that could be absolutely incredible. But yeah, it's just a case of whether I want to take the risk of the vice captaincy on Kun Aguero just because he's solid, consistent uh, as an individual. But yeah, you know, whatever Liverpool player I go with is also an option. Tammy Abraham could be an absolutely fantastic shout. Actually, I'm con- seriously considering that one now you've mentioned it. Just, uh, it's incredible, isn't it? Like with with pricing, you just sometimes are so led by that, and you just think, oh, my my premiums are the only people I can captain. But you know, there are times there have been times this season already when Timu Puki, if you take to, if you did you know, kind of have the cojones to go with him, could have scored you big. Uh, Abraham versus Brighton could very well score you big. Like we know what he can do against that sort of team. Got braced in him. Yeah, that could definitely happen. But yeah, so it's currently on Son. Um, but I, I may I may do a little bit more on that. But I'll be looking out for articles like Chris Tan's article on the Hub and the FPL Connect article on captaincy as well to, to make that kind of fun decision because it is, it is a, a less cut and dry one this week. Um, it's just that there's one standout fixture for me, which is uh, Tottenham against Southampton. Um, so it may well be Son. Um, I know that a few other people who are wildcards in game week six are also looking at it. So could well do it. Obviously, not making any transfers because I'm on wildcard. I'll put the final wildcard up on, on Friday. Um, may well mute the conversation. I can't bother to deal with the what about split. Believe me, I thought about it, guys. Seriously, do you not know me? Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly happy with it. It'll just be a case of, of kind of what I think. Uh, El Manana, am I going to um, get Salah in again? Am I going to be able to handle the FOMO of being without Mo? I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that one's still going to keep me away. I'm going to think about Mo Salah more than his mother does this week, aren't I? Cool. All right. Uh, so just say at the very end that we are Who Got This You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. As mentioned, if you want to tell Nick that the pod really suffers about him, um, you can get in touch with him at WGTA underscore Nick. Our lead code is EIKX03. And we'll be joined today, of course, by Will Thomas. Uh, Will from Fans Football Hub. Thanks so much for coming on, Will. Uh, short notice as well. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be on as always. And just a cheeky plug, actually, we're we're actually crowdfunding at the moment. So that effectively gives anybody the chance to invest from as little as £10 in Fancy Football Hub. So if you're into Fancy Football and you want to uh, invest in the the future of Fancy Football, because obviously the sector is booming, then go to fancyfootballhub.co.uk and all the the links are there and it tells you a little bit more about why we're doing it and uh, how to get involved. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Tom, and uh, you can find me on Twitter, FFH underscore Will. Yeah, and full disclosure, I'm a non-executive director of Fans Football Hub, so I have no opinion whatsoever on whether whether you should invest or not. However, if you do go to that, you can see a, a nice video of Will, me, and uh, Andy, uh, FPL guide. You finished third in the world at FPL last year, actually. Um, extolling the virtues of, of Fans Football Hub. 
Yeah, the video isn't quite live yet. We're um, we're we're saving that one till the official launch because it's just pre-registration at the moment, which gives you exclusive early access to the campaign. But um, yeah, we will be getting that video up, which Tom does appear on in all his uh, in all his glory. Uh, very exciting indeed. So that'll be on that'll be on Cedars. But as I said, we're we're completely independent here at Who Got the Assist. Cool. Uh, just to say as well, there's a theme every week. Last week it was, of course, friends. Uh, this week a little bit more muted, of course, with just one of the punters uh, in situ. Although it was done a very very good job as well. So we're back next week uh, with a special guest. Nick should hopefully be back. Coming up, it's coming up. It's uh, FPL Dare. Um, I messed this up last week through my inability to read a calendar. Um, I uh, sent him into panic mode because he was just like, I can't make it this weekend, mate. I can't make it. That was that was a really bad impression of nauseats and i'm not even gonna try that ever again um but uh, yeah uh, we'll be on with him next week the antipodean dare merchant so really really looking forward to that check him out at fpl dare but in the meantime we hope to see you and we'll speak to you very very soon goodbye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist sports social podcast network